Hey, this is Corey again with another video in our study of the book of Mark. I'm actually filming this video right after completing the previous video because after just studying one verse, I was still hungry. I still wanted to feast on more of that living bread, and I thought you might be too, so I figured I'd jump right into the next video so we can get a little bit more of what's going on here as we start the book of Mark. So um, last video we covered that the very first verse, very first sentence of Mark's gospel was him proclaiming what he, the conclusion he came to about Jesus, that he's the Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, and that this is the beginning of the good news about him. And that's where we ended, just one verse. Um, and now we're going to jump into what comes immediately after that. Again, my name is Corey. Um, really enjoy making these videos. Um, it's really benefiting me in my life a lot, and I hope it'll benefit you too. So we move on to verses two and three, um, and just, this is for all my videos, I really want to make a distinction between what is the Word of God, and that's what I'm going to try to make in blue, um, especially if it's the text we're directly studying, and then anything that is extra, any words I say, or notes I have sort of on the side, or anything like that, is nothing compared to the actual Word of God. You could disregard anything I say, double-check it, check it on the Word of God, um, but we want to focus on the blue letters. That's what we're studying. That's what will transform our lives. That's what will lead us to Jesus. So, Mark chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So this is a callback to the Old Testament, specifically the book of Isaiah. And it comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. And in those I have it here as well, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Um, so what's really important to know is that all these events, or most of these events, were prophesied in the Old Testament. If a Jew at this time had studied their Old Testament really well, um, of course there would be people who would interpret things differently and here or there, but things would start popping up in their mind and being familiar, and they'd say, oh, the prophet Jeremiah said this, and um, it seems pretty in line with what Jesus is doing today, and all sorts of things. So Mark, right here, right out of the gate, is pointing us to the Old Testament, even specifically mentioning Isaiah the prophet. Um, and that's even in line with what Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So the law was the first five books of the Old Testament, often called the Torah. And then the prophets were uh, basically all the named books of the Old Testament. So Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah. All those are the prophets, and then also the Psalms, um, and then the wisdom literature make up our Old Testament. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm not coming for you to just disregard all of that. I'm coming to fulfill it, make all those things that were predicted come true. Um, and then he's going to do even more when he fulfills the, the law on the cross and becomes our justifier and provides a path for the new covenant. Um, and so John the Baptist, who will be in the, introduced in these next verses right after this, 
is this predicted messenger? And we will see why here in a second. So Mark 1, 4 and 5, John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And I sort of emphasized a few words here that really are important for us. Um, these bolded words of repentance and forgiveness of sins and confessing their sins. Um, but first we want to look at um, what did John the Baptist do? So he was out in the wilderness and he was proclaiming and baptizing. So first proclaiming, that's just preaching, speaking, standing up for the truth. He was telling people that they needed to change their ways, that they needed to turn back towards God. Whatever that thing was in their life or multiple things that were keeping them away from God, they need to get rid of it and turn back and embrace God. And so he's pro proclaiming these truths, and he's also encouraging action on these truths. So he didn't want the people that heard him to just say, oh, that's smart, that's a good, wise thing, John, um, and then just go home and live their lives. He wanted people to actually act on what they're hearing, change their behavior. Um, and that's really important for us, too. We don't want to hear a good Bible message and just say, oh, that was wise, that was interesting and then not apply it to our lives in any way. Um, so then last thing that he did is he captivated the whole area of Judea and Jerusalem. It says all were going out to him and being baptized by him in the Jordan. So he was a big deal. People were hearing about him. And really the, we'll find later in the book that they liked what he said. They viewed him as a prophet. They thought he was wise, the things he was saying. Um, they were still confused. They weren't fully understanding it. But for the most part, the the public liked what they heard um, and thought he was a wise prophet, whereas the religious leaders had a different view on him, and we will get to that later as well. But a couple of words here that are really important to us. First, one of the most important words in the whole Bible, um, and I say it over and over because we don't really use this word in our modern American culture too much, is repentance. Um, and what it means is a complete change and the best way that it sinks into my head to really understand this word comes from a funny story. Um, when my dad and I were in Florida, we live in Ohio, but we were down in Florida and we had put in the GPS a restaurant we wanted to go to. But just as a joke, we thought we would do exactly opposite to everything the GPS suggested and just see what happens. So if the GPS said to go left, we would go right um, and so on. And we did this over and over again. So eventually the GPS, it kept offering alternate routes and things like that but eventually it got to the point where it just said stop do a u-turn and that's the best picture I can paint for what repenting is it's stopping and doing a complete u-turn and going the other way and just like the GPS it's the only way to get to where we really want to go to get that relationship with God and be in his eternal presence forever that's where we want to go um, but repentance is the way we got to get there. So that could come in millions of different forms. Whatever sin is keeping us from God, we want to just completely discard it and turn back to him. Um, and that also ties into forgiveness of sins. Um, before we can even be reconciled to God, we need forgiveness of our sins. And as we'll see, Jesus provided that path for us by taking the judgment and wrath of our sins upon himself so that if we believe in him, we could receive forgiveness of our sins and have that right relationship with God 
as well. And then the last thing that they were doing is confessing their sins. And I think this is something we sort of put a taboo on in our culture um, and sort of like the scarlet letter or different things like that are all sorts of pop culture jokes about the confessional and the Catholic Church and things like that. Um, but really, confession is just about letting it go. Um, you can just picture Elsa from Frozen singing that song when you say that phrase, but it's really that same idea of just, um, you can confess it to God, and that, that you definitely should do about everything. Um, but it's also just a practical benefit to confess it to other people. Um, it It's letting it go out of your own, giving it to God, giving it, getting help from anyone you confess it to, um, it's really just a weapon to defeat sin, and it's not this taboo um, joke of a thing where you have to wear the dunce cap on your head and say, I am greedy, or anything like that. And you can confess to people you trust. You don't have to, every time you do something bad, make a Facebook post about it. You can find a few people you trust and know they have a strong relationship with the Lord and confess to them. And then, most importantly, just confess to the Lord. Don't hold anything in. Don't hide your sins. We know that when he comes, everything will be in the light and nothing will be hidden. So no point hiding it right now. So if we jump in to the next verses, verses 6 through 8, we say, Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. So he's a pretty interesting guy. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So the first thing we want to point to is this comment that John is not even worthy to stoop down and untie Jesus' sandals. Um, and this is an important thing to understand, is the worthiness of Jesus. And um, a real great example we can see this is in the book of Revelation chapter 5. In that, real quickly, um, John is getting a vision of heaven, and he's standing in heaven, and he sees a scroll that is sealed, and no one can open it. And you can sort of picture the scroll as like the title deed to the universe, or the key to the universe. And John thinks of himself, and he thinks of all the other apostles, and Moses, and everyone in the Old Testament, and the nicest person he knows on the earth. And he starts weeping, because nobody is worthy Nobody is sin-free enough to open that scroll. And the angel says, why are you weeping? For the Lamb of God is worthy. And then he sees, essentially, Jesus, who was obedient to the point of death and never sinned. And he is worthy to take the scroll and basically take claim to the universe on our behalf and is the pathway to eternal life. So that's just one way to see the worthiness of Jesus and how he's separate from every other person who's ever lived. No one else has ever lived a single minute without sinning or not loving God with their whole heart or not loving their neighbor as their self. But Jesus lived an eternity plus 33 years on earth being perfectly obedient to God and sin-free. So that's just important to know. Um, and it helps us understand the gospel to understand the value and worth of Jesus. And then this idea of baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to get controversial in this because there's whole denominations formed off this one issue and arguments and all sorts of things. But really, if you want a picture of this baptism, the first one is done in Pentecost, and that's in Acts chapter 2. And that there is all sorts of 
um, visual things and very obvious baptism of the Holy Spirit and transformed and birthed the church and made a bunch of the disciples who were timid and weak able to preach in front of kings and rulers and be bold in their faith and even go to their own death praising the Lord. Um, and this is something that's for all believers. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 12. And it also just represents our union to Christ, that we're connected to him in his death, in his crucifixion, in his burial, and in his resurrection, and that we are resurrected to a new life with a regenerated heart. And that is what allows us to really follow his commands um, and love him in that way. And a few other verses that really go into this is Romans, Romans 6, 1-10, through 10, and Colossians 2, 12. So I recommend um, separately looking at those and seeing how it applies to your life and thinking about this baptism of the Holy Spirit um, and how it applies in your own life. The last verses we'll do for this video are Mark 1, 9 through 11. And it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. So first we want to point out um, that Jesus is often referred to as Jesus of Nazareth because that was his hometown. He wasn't born there, he was born in Bethlehem, then he spent some time in Egypt, but when they came back, that's where they settled in was Nazareth of Galilee. So he's often referred to Jesus of Nazareth. And Nazareth seems to have this sort of small town, unimportant um, stain to it, based on some verses in the Bible, which I'm from just south of the Cleveland area, so we feel like we have that same, same sort of um, monkey on our back that we are viewed in that same small city, um, cold and nobody wants to go there type of attitude. Um, so I always thought that was an interesting thing that Jesus was from a town that was viewed kind of negatively. Um, and then, so Jesus goes to John and gets this public water baptism, which really to me just seems like he's declaring um, to anyone nearby that he's submitting to God, that um, what John is teaching is acceptable to God, and that Jesus is completely submitting his life to God by going through with this public water baptism. And then, in response, God publicly confirms the deity of Jesus and testifies that Jesus is God's Son and that he's well pleased with him. Um, so it's almost like a public declaration back and forth amongst the Trinity of their love and devotion to each other, which is just a really awesome picture to paint. And really something, if you're debating, and maybe you've never been baptized, maybe a way to view baptism is more of like that public um, just devotion and ceremony to God that you kind of like just a wedding where you want to go in front of people and make your vows and say this is who I am this is what I believe um, and just sort of picture baptism in that same way I'm not digging into any theological issues on what people think about baptism but I think these verses can definitely give us a good idea of um, the purpose and benefit of that public declaration and so that's it for this video. Um, this shows where we are in chapter one. We've talked about John the baptism and the baptism of Jesus. And next video, we'll go into the temptation of Jesus and move on through chapter one in that way. Um, again, thank you for watching this video. Um, whether you know me or don't know me, 
I'm just so honored that you'd take whatever amount of minutes it is to watch this video and share this time with me. I just hope that it encourages you to dig into God's Word um, and feast on it daily. Um, it's more important than the normal food we eat is to feast on God's Word each day. So with that said, have a great day.